Hi, this is John Walton, voice of the Washington Capitals, and you're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. For like a, a really long time with GGR Pirate Radio, we like would purposefully avoid political stuff because we were like, well, we don't want to potentially offend anybody. But like in the seven years of existence that we have, a lot of shit has changed. And like, I feel like it, you can't be just a bystander and you can't just be like, well, we're not going to take a stance on some pretty fucked up things because ultimately that, that means you did take a stance. And that's that's just not fucking good enough for me. And like, I've just I've been thinking a lot about like things that like I never really put any thought into when I was a kid. Like when it came to the double standard that we have with guys and girls when it comes to sex. Like we we had talked about this in the chat um, amongst amongst ourselves that like women are expected to be beautiful and pretty and sexy and as soon as that's not a thing to anybody for some reason or another they lose their value and you'll hear people say oh god they're ugly oh god they're old oh god they're fat whatever it is and like it's like the aesthetic of a woman is the only thing that matters and like go fucking god forbid if a woman is attractive and she's expressing her sexuality then she's a slut then she's a bad example but guys can talk about how many women they've fucked and it's completely appropriate and it just it's not and like it just drives me up the wall and like just just the amount of hypocrisy and the amount of times i hear people talk about that stuff and like I mean, it's it's one thing when you're just like sitting around with your friends and you're just like, you know, telling, you know, swapping war stories more or less. But like <laughs> when it becomes a, a thing of dis, of disparaging someone, that's that's a real big problem. But like on the flip side, too, like I was looking at it with with the music industry, because the thing that got me is like growing up, um, I, I think about like the music that I listen to the most, like because of my parents. And um, let, let, I'll use two examples. They're they're intertwined because they used to play in concert all the time together and that's billy joel and elton john elton john didn't write most of his own stuff a guy named bernie Taupin did which is fine because they were a writer songwriter combo it's the same thing with jim steinem and meatloaf for instance uh, billy joel singer songwriter he wrote all of his own stuff so they both were performers and that doesn't take anything away from elton john i don't think he was doing um what I'm going to accuse the next uh, artist of doing. Um, <laughs> and that's that's Elvis. Um, Elvis is an icon. Elvis is a god to some people. Like, you don't speak ill of the king. But Elvis pretty much stole his entire shtick. Like, yep. didn't write any of his own songs. And there was a really funny meme, um, and I wish I could find it where it was talking about that. And it was like... Elvis is like, oh, I heard about this new musical style. It's called rock and roll. And somebody's like, where'd you hear about it from, Elvis? And like, that's the joke. Like, he basically stole this from black people <laughs> and like, and stole black music. Yeah. And the term that you used, MC, you said it was um, culture vulture. Like, that's that's super prevalent in the music industry. And like, yeah. it's it's crazy to me, like, that on one hand you can have somebody who does it and everybody's like oh yeah no no no, that's fine no no we don't have any problem with that but then one person does it in a different way and it becomes a huge thing and like 
again, Elvis is a perfect example. I don't, I don't feel like anybody ever called him out for that, but that's also, you know, a product of his time. Like, yeah. It, there weren't really a lot of prominent black voices, like telling people of all the horrible things that white people did. Like there should have been, but it's, we're, yeah. we're catching up now. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a, a dirty little secret. Cause you don't like, it wasn't said, at least I don't remember it being said as, as much, uh, when I was, when, uh, like when we were all younger, but like, I remember my, my uh, I had a music history class in high school and my, prof- and my teacher was the first, was the first time I ever heard that, he, that Elvis didn't write a single lick of music. And I was just kind of shocked because I was like, you know, you hear all the stuff, you know, King of Rock, you hear about like the controversy, he, he uh, the controversies he had while he was, uh, while he was still active. And I was just like, huh, interesting. I, I did, I didn't know that. But then I, you know, I, I looked it up for myself and found that like of the, like he recorded more than 600 songs in his career, but you know, allegedly never wrote a single lyric to any of them. But like the, the it's kind of hard to confirm because the label he was signed to when they would buy these songs for him to or let me let me not say buy, let me not say buy. Um, when they would get the songs, they would require that the songwriters would give up 50 percent of uh, their ownership of the music. So Elvis got writing credits for a lot of the stuff that he put out. So it's kind of hard to really say for a lot of people, it's hard to say whether he actually did write stuff and it was just not known or, you know, it's like I think a lot of people believe that he just never wrote anything because it was so prevalent. Like you said, uh, you know, all these a ton of uh, pop and rock songs were being stole, stolen from lesser known, uh, you know, black artists at the time. It's just the, the whole thing's crazy to me because like. It's not like there weren't good black musicians at that time, you know, like Chuck Berry, for instance, like, um, I mean, pretty much all of Motown. So it's not like you had to have a white face because nobody would want to buy records. I mean, well, well, I take that back. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah. I mean, let me back that one up there. A little bit. <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of the examples you, you could list um, would be not just um you're going to end up with exceptional musicians, people who are doing phenomenal work that is like still considered classic today. Um, so in order to get any kind of recognition, you had to be not just good. You had to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and like the, you know, MC mentioned um, the songwriting thing with Elvis that's the reason that Elvis never recorded any of Dolly Parton's songs. There's a y- y- do you know that story? No, fuck uh, no. I, I want to know this now. There's I, I, I'm going to give you like the most bare bones version of it. But she got this call that said, "Hey, um, Elvis Presley would really like to record. I can't I can't remember which song it was. Uh, would really like to record a version of this." Um, and she was like, "That sounds amazing. Yeah, let's do it." And I think I think they flew her out. Uh, and they were, you know, getting ready to, to, to get everything set up. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, Mr. Presley requires that any song he records, he is he takes ownership of. Um, so you'll have to sign. And she's like, oh, no, absolutely not. And she just refused. <laughs> she just yeah. wouldn't let him do it. And so that's why it didn't happen. Um, yeah, that's which song it was. 
I will always love you. Yes, that's no what it was. Oh shit. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and she tells the story too. It's not like an apocryphal thing. Like, no, Dolly tells the story. She's like, Yeah, it was gonna happen. And I was really excited. And then they tried to like get me for my money and fuck that. <laughs> I just I want I want to reenact that. Um I might have to ask either Jess. <laughs> Or Mariah, and see which one of them wants to play Dolly, and I'll play Elvis. I got no problem playing Elvis. I'll play the bad guy in this and be like, "Oh, listen, Dolly, yeah, here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to take your song, and I want to take the rats to it, and I want to sing it real pretty like, so all the people love it. You can kiss all of my ass, Elvis. Uh, um, uh, excuse me, did you, uh, ma'am? Like, yeah, yeah straight up. She, they were just like, yeah, you, you know, just to be able to record it, he wants songwriting uh, credit fuck you first of all the fucking ego it takes to yeah. imply that just putting your voice on something has fundamentally changed it forevermore <laughs> i mean he he got to a point yeah. where he just took himself so fucking seriously like there, there are covers that he does of songs and if you hear them they're so fucking over the top and cheesy and it's just like he he just laps it up, man. I still would, if if given a time machine, I would want to see that dude perform in concert live because like I'm sure he just put on a fucking hell of a show. Even when he was out of shape, man, just drenched in sweat in one of them karate suits, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I, yeah. yeah, a hunk of hunk of burning love, yeah. Like yeah. I would be down for that shit. But again, none of those songs are him, so fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> It's been like, it's been hard because like he's such a cool character in general because he's like this larger than life kind of like folklore hero and he's got these amazing stories. He's like, man, I want this deep fried peanut butter and jelly sandwich that's a foot and a half long and you got to go to Denver. You know what? Let's get in the airport. Let's go right now. Let's take a plane. And let's go there and do it. And then they did it. And yeah. you're just like, that's the greatest fucking thing ever. Or and like they opened a restaurant like in the middle of the night. In the airport. He brought the chef there, yeah. and they cooked that shit in the airport. Uh-huh. <laughs> or, like, or he'd be watching TV, and a commercial for Vagisil would come on, and he's like, oh, man, I don't want to see that shit. And he would shoot the television with his gun. Yeah, like, like a psychopath. Yes, exactly. Bigger than life. Like, fucking insane. But, like, oh, God. Yeah, like, and coming to grips with the fact that, like, he probably was grooming Priscilla Presley because she was underage when he met her. Like, it... It's just, like, all of these people that you... I wouldn't say idolized, because I never idolized Elvis, but I just thought he was cool, you know? Like, yeah. this, this large-in-life character, and it just turns out that he was just, just as scummy as, as all the people now, you know? Like... Yeah, and, and I mean, the, the publishing thing is not surprising, because that's I feel like that's something that's been part of the recording industry. That's even an issue now, which is... You know, like the people who actually perform the music make the least amount of money on any successful song. Oh, like there's such there's such that's why it's such a big deal for people to get writing credits, because that's really where the money comes in. You you get a higher percentage if you are uh, the person who uh, recorded uh, like an instrument part uh, that gets into songwriting. If you are if you did any of the lyrics songwriting like that's where the, that's where the percentage come from the actual performance is kind of like the, the the lowest part of the totem pole because like when the money comes in it has to go through the you know the the top person at the label then it goes to through the a and r who discovered you then it goes to the uh the engineers who recorded the who recorded 
uh, the version of the song. And then it goes through the musicians who produced or, or, or did something for the song. And then it goes through the people who actually wrote the song itself. And then after you get through all of that, then whatever's left can go to you. That's insane to think of. Like, because think of like the Backstreet Boys, for instance. Like, we, we've all heard those stories about how I can't remember the guy's name who basically was like inappropriate and like touching them in horrible ways and like was like molesting young boy bands but like they didn't make dick off their contracts at all they're selling yeah. millions and millions of records and they're like faces are on every single magazine and they're they're getting chump change and this dude yeah. was getting rich off of them like that's basically that's basically how you do it and it, like if you remember like when these acts would go on these like year and a half long tours it's because that's where they would actually make money by by, by doing that because they a lot of times they, they, they they're not making shit off of uh, uh, their music like uh, Rick Ross just said the other day he didn't make any money from rap music until he was 36 and he's been he's been in the game for like a, a while now like well over a decade and so yeah. like the touring is is really where you get the, the money from which is why in I want to say like the late 2000s labels tried to come up with these like 360 deals um, which is basically like hey Anything you do that makes money, we get a cut of it. Like, it doesn't matter if we have any involvement with it at all. Like, if you, you know, get paid to appear on this TV show, we get a cut of that. If you come up with your own clothing line and sell clothes, we get a cut of that. And like they, that's it's it's a it's how they they fucked over a ton of people, mostly in the in the late 2000s. And, and what they would do is they would say, well, if you don't sign this deal, we're we're just, we're not going to produce any of your stuff. Anything you've recorded never will never see the light of day. Okay, and, so sorry, go ahead. The, uh, well, I was going to say the the most famous example of that is uh, uh, the rapper Lupe Fiasco who was coming off like who was at like was one of the like biggest people in the game at that time and when it came to recording his album lasers the label was like hey we want you to sign this deal and when he refused they refused to put his album out and what they did and, and this is really fucked up they 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 took music from his album and then just sold it off to other people like oh, there's a I remember there's, hearing about that. Yeah, like the, yeah. like different people recorded some songs. Yeah, so like the song Airplanes by B.O.B. and Nothing yes! on You. Like that, those yes. were those were song those were songs that were originally done by him that Lupe discovered weren't his anymore when he heard them on the radio. We heard them on the fucking radio. Yes. Yeah. Oh and fuck. It, it 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 literally took Anonymous to get involved and basically threatened to like reveal all of this private stuff about atlantic for atlantic to be like okay 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 here's the release date like we'll, we'll put it out we'll put this like this version of it out but that so, was that was pretty much after all the damage had been done like whatever the original vision of of that project was had already been stripped down to like a bunch of throwaway stuff and de like demos that they polished up to to, to, to just release because the label had already, like I said, sold off a good portion of the stuff that was supposed to be part of that. Jesus. So, I, I, real quick, Mike. I, no, you're good. 
I knew the name. I was like, it's Lou something. Lou and Lou Perlman. Lou Perlman's the name of the guy that got together Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Uh, he was, you know, the 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 um, the big bloated, like looks like a bullfrog, um, you know, manager of those guys who was taking all of their money all of the time. Um, so thing I didn't know, one, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, he died in 2016, um, which, you know, people die, whatever. Uh, but the where he died is interesting. Um, cause I was looking at, at Google and it's like, um, <laughs> federal correction Institute. I'm like, wait, what? Because he was in jail. Yep. He was in a federal prison mm-hmm. because apparently he had been running one of the largest and longest running Ponzi schemes in U S history, leaving more than $300 million in debts. Pled wow. guilty to conspiracy, money laundering, and making false statements during a bankruptcy proceeding, and he was he was convicted in 2008, and he died in 2016, eight years later, while still serving his sentence. Jesus. He got 25 years in prison Not because to mention, uh, countless accusations of sexual misconduct uh-huh. with his artists. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, total scumbag. Holy shit! Like, I knew he and was it- an asshole, and I knew like. Everybody hated him, and I, but I did not know there was actually and and like how perfect is that? How perfect a summation is it? He didn't go to jail for raping anybody. He didn't go to jail for any kind of sexual assault or anything like that, or or or, any, or like stealing from the artist. He went to jail because he fucked with rich people's money. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, was going to tell a quick story about the the music thing, and then a perfect tie into that too. Um. Not a, I'm not a huge fan of his music. He's all right. Like I'm just not a big country music fan. But Zach Brown, of Zach Brown Band Infamy, um, was they they did an episode. Um, the Foo Fighters have this really cool documentary called Sonic Highways, where there's eight episodes. They go to these different cities in America and they talk about like how music developed in these cities and how it's integral and like different stories from different musicians. And then they end up singing a they like write a song that's kind of based on that city. Um, and often have like those other musicians join them. And they told this story about Zach Brown when he first came up. And you guys have probably all heard that really cheesy, like overly patriotic chicken fried song. That's the one that like made him like popular. Um, if you haven't heard it, I mean, good for you. Yes. But like, <laughs> it's, it's not an awful song. I, you know, I don't hate it. But like, it's it, what ended up happening was he wrote the song and he, he, it was his baby. He really loved that song, right? And somebody asked, like some big name in Nashville was like, yeah, hey, we want this other big band to cover this song. And he was like, I would rather you didn't. And they were like, okay, but this big name producer, I can't remember the guy's name because it's country music and I don't care. Um, This big name in Nashville was like, no, we're going to do it. And Zach Brown was like, "Mm, fucking don't. And then on the radio one day, he hears this other band covering his song. And he's like, oh no, fuck all of that. And, like, he's just a small-time dude at this point. Like, he's not the Zach Brown that we know now. But, like, he doesn't have big name, big assets, big money, anything like that. But he ends up hiring a lawyer, and he takes on this big-name record producer. And everybody's like, this is going to fuck your career, dude. He's like, that's cool. He fucked with my song. I don't care. (laughs) Take it back. I will die with my teeth in your throat. Exactly. (laughs) And what ended up happening was because of that – 
country music, and I will give it credit for this, its roots are in kind of like a rebellious, like, mindset. And because of his mindset, because of, no, this is my song, and I'm not letting you take it, I'm not letting the big guy win, I'm not, it's, yeah. It ended up garnering him fans. And, like, other musicians were like, are you Zach Brown? I got to shake the hand of the guy who said, go fuck yourself to the biggest record producer in Nashville. And that's how he started gaining his fame. And I, I just thought that was awesome. Like, how badass is that? Like, this guy's like, no, I don't care. That's cool. Yeah, it's going to fuck my career. Great. Okay, fine. Fuck off. I'm doing it anyways. Like, yeah. you get, you got to have respect for people that, that, like, that care about their thing that much and know that it could cost them, essentially. But um, the whole, like, morality essentially not winning out, but, like, big government winning. You guys have all been down to Fredericksburg. For years and years and years, we were known for this really fucking ugly, offensive, racist Confederate flag flying over 95 when you got into the Fredericksburg area and the, and the Stafford. I fucking hated it. There were petitions to take this piece of shit down. It never happened. It's gone now. But do you want to know why it's gone? Because they expanded 95. It wasn't a decision based on this is the right thing to do or this is offending people or this is a symbol of hate. No, it was gotten rid of because of money. We need more lanes on 95 so that more people could travel so that whatever, you know, like we can't we can't have more congestion. You're stopping people from going to Potomac Mills to buy more shit at an outlet mall. So like it's that ended up winning out. That's what that's what defeated it. Capitalism. Capitalism beat racism in this particular instance. And like, I'll take the win, you know, but like, yeah, I don't feel great about it. Like, it would have, yeah. been, it would have been better if it had been like a uh, like, you know, the people spoke and like it was taken down because it was the right thing to do. Not not the other way around. But. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of sucks when that happens because it really does kind of take the ear out of it Yeah. a little bit because you, you, you really wish. That, you know, in a country that, you know, seems to really want to prioritize this idea that you can get justice here. And then far too often we're getting not exactly justice, but it's kind of like in a passive sense, like they're getting like they're not getting got for like the awful thing that they should be getting got for. It's something else that happens that ultimately ends up taking them down. Yeah. I mean, look at look at Al Capone. Yeah. They didn't get Al, Al Capone for racketeering or for murder or for extortion or for running drugs or anything like that. What'd they get him for? Tax, Tax evasion. <laughs> yep. Don't fuck yeah. with the IRS. There's a fucking there's a there's a comic and an and an adapted episode of Batman uh, called The Joker's Millions, where the the fucking IRS comes after the Joker and he's like, oh no, <laughs> he's he's not scared of Batman, he's not scared of anybody else. But you no, know, fucking no, I don't want to. I'm not worried about anybody except for the fucking IRS. That's yeah. what, uh, is that part of the animated series? Yeah. Oh, dude. I what, what is that? Is that out? Where where can we watch that? Because I I That's fucking love that series. HBO I would Max. Love HBO okay. Max. And all there. And and they just put HD versions of the Superman series up. Oh, oh shit! That that those fucking episodes with Gilbert Godfrey as Mister <laughs> McGurk. Yeah. Oh my god. He's so like. And he's, 
nuts, nuts, nuts. Like, yeah, like <laughs> very, very, very fond childhood memories. Of, so of good. That. Yeah. And fucking Tim Daly is Superman. Just like that dude. It took me years to realize that Tim Daly does both the voice of Superman and Bizarro. I just assumed they had somebody else do Bizarro. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's, that's him. And now that you know, if you listen to it again, you can hear it. But it's it's definitely, um, yeah, it's it's it's. God, that guy, that dude did such a good fucking job on that show. He really did. It's funny too, like looking back on it, like uh, watching uh, Wings, like Joe Hackett is essentially Superman. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. In in the pilot, in the pilot, Joe at the end of the episode, uh, Joe has a monologue about flying. Yeah. And if you close your eyes, you're just listening to Superman. Oh wow. Yeah, it's awesome. That's, that is pretty dope. So, folks out there listening, thank you. This is our cold open where we just kind of talk about stuff. This is the last episode we're going to do for a while. We're going to take our, uh, our own little spring break here after this uh, series of episodes. So you'll see us back uh, the later part of April. But there's lots of great content for you to check out on the website. In fact, the most popular content on the Great Geek Refuge right now would be MC Brooks's The Overflow. You should check out that podcast. Lots of great content there. But there's lots of old stuff that we have as well. Um, I can tease it a little bit. It's not ready yet. I got to hear a preview of it. But our very own Mariah Beachboard is working on a new GGR playcast that I got to hear a preview of last night that sounds really, really, really good. I can't wait for you guys to hear that one, too. And uh, yours truly does some uh, does some acting in it. And so does, uh, so does Mr. James Rambo. So there's something to look forward to when it comes to uh, that aspect. But we're going to yeah, go ahead and yeah. jump... <laughs> We're going to go ahead and jump into uh, the rest of our podcasts for this evening. We'll get to the diner. At, we'll be at the diner so you can hear our wonderful geeky and nerdy conversation. So make sure you tune into the next episode on whatever streaming podcast platform you choose. But for all of us here at The Great Geek Refuge, my name is Mike Lunsford. And remember, together, there are no heights that we can't reach. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy!